Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Last week, verse 11 in chapter 4, Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. As Josh brought out last week, Paul let the church of Philippi know that he didn't really need their help. In our text today, Paul is teaching us how to receive help. He starts by thanking them for their help. He then gives the main reason that he's thankful. And finally, he reminds them of God's provision. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text today. Thank you for this truth. Lord, help us by your spirit to walk in this truth, to walk in the reality of this truth, Father. The beauty that we have in receiving and just the opportunity to rejoice in the gifts of others for their good, for their purpose, for, for your glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our text this morning starts, like I said, with a thank you, but it kind of starts with what you could perceive as kind of a backhanded thank you in a way if you just read it and, and kind of detached yourself from it. But verse 14 he says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Paul wanted them to have a healthy view of giving. A healthy view of giving is not, look what I did for you, how good I am, how generous I am, how much time I gave. That's, that's not a healthy view of giving. He told them, I didn't need your help. He said, God takes care of my needs, but it was still kind of you to give. He goes on to tell them that they were the first and early on the only ones to help him. And he recognizes that they continued to help him. Now that's Paul's approach here. And the way he responded to them is kind of foreign to how we solicit help today, isn't it? Often it's, if you give to our cause, we'll say your name on the radio. We'll invite you to an appreciation banquet. 
we'll put you on our list of donors, maybe classifying you as bronze, silver, or gold, depending on how much you give. Maybe even we'll name the building after you. Sound familiar? Now, by saying that this morning, am I condemning this method? No, I'm not. I'm just recognizing that's often what we do today. And I have helped do it myself in soliciting donations and soliciting gifts. Charities do this because it works. Charities do this because it increases giving. I leave that thought with you this morning because it's not the main thought of the text, but it is something that came to my mind and I felt like I would be in neglect if I didn't bring it at least to a point of conversation or thought. And I want to leave you with this question. In that model of soliciting charitable donations, in light of our text this morning, would Paul have done it that way? What if he motivated people by the degree of recognition they would get? I think we can honestly say the answer is no. Something to think about as we look at this this morning. After his thank you, Paul gives the reason for responding this way. Verse 17. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul wants to be clear to the church at Philippi. I am not seeking your gift for my sake. My thanks is not an appeal for more from you for me. He wanted them to know the blessing of being a blessing. He focused on what their good works on his behalf were benefiting them in heaven. He knew that they would receive a reward because of their kindness. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says, Of all things I have shown you, that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. This reality of heavenly rewards is somewhat of a mystery in Scripture. How can there be different degrees of rewards in heaven when we really won't care about our acknowledgement once we cross into heaven? It's kind of a hard concept to wrap our minds around, but we know that it's true. We know that it exists because Scripture tells us, Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And a father who sees in secret will reward you. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting at verse 17. As for the rich... In this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, 
who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They ought to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. When we give to those in need, we benefit just as much as the recipient. Paul appreciated the Philippian spirit of love and devotion more than their gifts. He knew that God would take care of him. He knew that God would take care of his needs. But what he deeply appreciated was the spirit of the people in the church of Philippi, the spirit of generosity, the understanding of who God was. Verse 18, he didn't dis discount their gifts. He says, I received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Aphrodite the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Our call to worship text, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Why? For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We are called to give, we are called to sacrifice. Paul didn't need their gifts. He knew that God would take care of him. But he rejoiced in their gifts because he knew what it meant for them. The heart of God is that whether we are giving or receiving, it should be about the other person and not about us. We should rejoice in God's provision and then rejoice in the opportunity that the other person had to participate for their sake, for their benefit, for the beauty of their relationship. He knew that they were coming out of hearts of generosity, hearts that wanted him, Paul, to be taken care of because they wanted the gospel to be spread. Verse 19 Finally, Paul reminds them. He says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory to Christ Jesus. Every need of yours. That word need. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the, bir the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Food and clothing. Jesus doesn't even mention shelter in the list of needs. It's food and clothing. He goes on to verse 32. He says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, 
And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. The enemy is so crafty at elevating our wants to needs, to creating the idea of needs in our minds. We just talked about food and clothing. Those are the needs that Jesus mentioned. But how many more needs do we think we have than that? The enemy is very crafty, again, at turning our wants into needs in our minds. If we elevate anything that another person does for us to a point of a need, then we are setting ourselves up for disappointment. You say, but Kevin, you've told us many times how important our earthly relationships are. I still stand by that. Our relationships are important. Your dating life, your friendships, your family relationships, and the health of your marriage are a reflection of your personal walk with the Lord. The most important relationship in our lives as Christians should be with Jesus. If any earthly relationship that you have takes a dearer place in your heart than your relationship with Jesus Christ, you've got things out of balance. Our relationships, our earthly relationships, in effect, in many ways, are a mirror of our relationship with Jesus. That mirror can show beautiful things. That mirror can show ugly things. When we put so much faith in our earthly relationships that they overshadow, that they overtake our relationship with Jesus... That's when things go wrong. Even when we don't have, quote unquote, any earthly relationships, our urgency, our hunger for an earthly relationship, when that, our desire for an earthly relationship is greater than our desire for our relationship with Jesus Christ, the enemy is directing our lives. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not called to meet the physical needs of those who cannot help themselves. When Paul's saying he didn't need this from the Philippian church, we're still called to help those in need. Remember, the verse we read earlier, we must help the weak. If Christians were able to, willing to, filter out all of the wants we would have more than enough time and resources to care for those who are truly in need. Our relationships, our earthly relationships, when kept in a proper perspective, are ultimately a tool to make us more and more like Christ. If we consider anything that a specific person does for us a need, then we are opening, opening ourselves up for discontentment. When we put that expectation 
on earthly relationships, when we think we have to have this certain earthly relationship to meet a need, we are opening ourselves up for discontentment, disappointment, fear, worry, anxiety, anger. We sang the words this morning, all our fears are washed away. All our fears are washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. Think about it. When someone gives you something, money, possessions, time, appreciation, or respect, it makes you happy. Remember we talked about happiness and joy. Paul's whole theme throughout this letter was joy, rejoicing, joyfulness, happiness, is based on circumstances. And what happens when circumstances change? Happiness leaves. When you do something for someone else for the right reason, it brings you joy, lasting joy, despite the circumstances. The right reason is for the glory of God and for the good of others. We have been conditioned to expect others to meet our spiritual and emotional needs. Again, if we have any earthly relationships that we hold higher than our relationship with God, that is a problem. Earthly relationships are important, but only for how they bring glory to God. And they bring glory to God by spreading the gospel and making us more and more in Christ's image. You say, but I've been misunderstood, underappreciated, mistreated. I ask you this morning, have you been any of those things more than Paul? The accounts we read in Scripture? Have you been any of those things more than Jesus? We understand how Paul was mistreated. We fully understand how Jesus was mistreated. He was perfect. Otherwise, he could not have been the sacrifice, but he was perfect. Yet he faced the persecution that he faced, ultimately ending in death. And he faced it without resisting, without refusing, by surrendering his life completely. You say, but those people who wronged me, they must be addressed. Yes, they must be addressed. But not so that you can be understood, appreciated, or treated with respect or dignity. It must be for the good of that person and for the glory of God. For the good of that person and the fact that it may bring them to salvation or it may bring them more in the image of Christ. And if they refuse to turn, then they will face justice for the glory of God. Do you believe that God will supply every need of yours? <clears throat> Knowing and believing are two different things. You read it. You say, I accept that as true, but do you believe it? Do you live that reality that God is providing, will provide every 
legitimate need that you have. If you believe this, then you can rest and have joy despite your circumstances. Looking at our world today, one of the greatest sources of unrest has been been centered around minority groups. Pick your group. Whether it's race, economic status, religion, or gender, the list can go on. These groups express a need for acceptance or justice as they think they're unjustly treated. It's one thing if non-Christians fuss about such things. They need Jesus. And we are called as Christians to sacrifice our desires for their salvation. But when professing Christians are at odds, they too need Jesus. And we are called to sacrifice our desires for the glory of God. To be a means for them to grow more and more in the image of Christ. I am personally in a minority group. It's estimated that approximately 3.5% of the world's population is blind or visually impaired. Within that community, there is a high degree of offense, of being offended. People who feel misunderstood or mistreated. It is hard to be in a minority group. The fact that you are in the minority means that the majority of the people don't truly understand what you're going through or what you experience. People are ignorant. They just don't know. They don't know how to respond. They don't know how to help. Some people are just flat mean and evil, if you would say that. I personally, in my situation, have ran into some of these people, but very, very few. The vast majority of the conflict within that the minorities receive is out of sheer ignorance, sheer ignorance. There is evil, and there are wicked responses. But I contend that the vast majority of the responses are out of sheer ignorance. Now, there is a failure to overcome that ignorance, which is a whole other discussion. Being in the minority isn't the only reality in which this lack of trust is exposed. Often in our world today, the majority opinion, the majority reality doesn't have the power whether it's at a local or a national scale. Politics is a very frustrating thing. It can be easily and often is corrupted. People have their own agendas. They have their own desire to hold on to the power that they have. And in doing so, some minority opinions get lifted up and pushed through. If you look at some of the social agendas that have been pushed on us today, 
Ten years ago, they would have seemed impossible. Look at some of the economic decisions that are being made. Prices are sky high. Banks are failing. The health decisions that were forced on us in the last three years. All of these things are difficult. They can cause us anxiety. They can call us stress, cause us stress if we don't remember who provides our needs, our needs, if we don't walk in the reality of who actually truly provides our true needs. Whether we are in the minority or the majority, as Christians, if we are adversely affected by people or their decisions, we can trust that God will meet our needs. If we are watching someone else suffer, we are called to help. But like Paul, that person or persons doesn't need us. The reason that we help is for the glory of God. The reason they accept our help is to seek the fruit that increases to their credit. And how will God provide for our needs? According to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Our God of boundless resources provides for our needs through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. When we are disappointed with our circumstances, in despair, we are called to remember that God will meet our needs. And he meets those needs through the ultimate sacrifice, the one who triumphantly entered that city over 2,000 years ago, triumphantly entered that city, faced the persecution that he would face that week, faced the death that he would face that week to meet our needs. It is finished. It is done. Our relationships, just like Paul's relationship to the church at Philippi, are opportunities to realize that finished work of Jesus Christ. When we put our faith and our trust in those relationships, it will fall apart. We will be disappointed. We will be anxious. We will be fearful. But when we put our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we will not be disappointed. Yes, circumstances will be hard. Yes, we will be lonely in human terms. But each time that feeling comes across us and the enemy tempts us with those, we have the unchanging, indescribable, unimaginable to the fact where we can't wrap our minds completely around it, Fact that Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected to be everything we need. And that out of that relationship, we have the opportunity, we have the privilege, we have the responsibility to minister to those around us for the glory of God. That was the message that Paul was seeking 
to convey to the church of Philippi. Yes, God used you to meet my needs. Yes, you met those needs abundantly. And that sacrifice was beautiful to God. I didn't need it, Paul said. But praise God you participated. Praise God for the rewards that you will receive. Praise God for what he has done through you. Paul was elated. Not for what the church had done for him, but for how God would reward the church for what they had done for him. Because he understood and knew the love of God. He knew that the same God that sent his son from heaven, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, to face persecution, to face death, to be resurrected, he knew fully the love of that God, and he wants us to fully understand the love of that God. So that then as we reach out in relationships, when we help each other, we understand the nature and character of God. And the beauty of resting in that reality. Not expecting others to take care of us. Knowing that they will fail us at times. But expecting, hoping, knowing that God himself will take care of us. And yes, he will use relationships. He will use earthly resources. He will also use supernatural events. He will use whatever he needs to use to fulfill our needs. No matter whatever circumstances we are facing, and we know of a lot of them in our church right now. The cancer, the sickness for little Brooklyn this week on the cruise. All of the challenges we have. Strained relationships. God will, has provided for our needs. I want to close this morning by reading those last four verses of chapter 4. Starting in verse 20, he says, To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit as you face the reality of the world that we live in. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit as you face circumstances and trials and hardships and strained relationships of this life, knowing that God, by his grace, has provided for your every need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord. We praise you for your provision. We praise you for your love. We praise you for your care. God, may we walk in the reality of your provision. May we have clear spiritual eyes to filter out our wants, to filter out the enemy's lies and how he tries to trip us up, how he tries to tempt us, how he distracts us, how he tries to make anything of this world more important to us than you, God. God, may we walk as Paul walked, knowing that you have provided our needs and rejoice in the gifts of others from the aspect of what it will mean to them. 
God, may we walk in that truth. May we walk in that power. May we walk in that glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.